0: Good morning, church. Good morning. Would you pray with me now? Oh, gracious God, we come before you. We have sung your praises this morning with this beautiful music. We have prayed to you as your church. We have given offering to you with our very lives and with our finances, and we have just heard your word read, your living word. And now, Lord, I would ask that you would use me as your mouthpiece this morning to get a message out to all of us, me included, that we all need to hear. And may your words not come back empty to you. For it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The ability to wait for something without getting anxious, angry, or upset, or at times frustrated, is a valuable quality in a person. But the truth for me, and maybe for some of you, is I have a problem with waiting. It's often that I find myself in what I call the wrong storyline. It can be a grocery store line. It could be a department store line. It doesn't matter. And a lot of the times it's a short line. I span the crowd and I say, oh, this one, I can get out quick on this one, right? Does that ever happen to you? And I go there and something's happening up in front of me. There's a coupon that's out of date a wrong card is being pulled out to zip through. Food Lion for buy low or Publix for Lowe's or something like that. And then there's the bank teller lines, whether that's inside or outside in the car. Again, here I am getting in the wrong line. People are handling multiple transactions in front of me, and it seems like lots of times I can't learn from this that I'm going from point A to point B. Maybe it's one hospital to the other, and I look at my watch or my iPhone, and I say, I have just enough time. I can run in here and do this or run in there and do that, and I get in a line, and I have to wait, and I don't like it when that happens. It's frustrating. Well, a few weeks ago, I had my mid-year checkup at my doctor, right? And this was the one where you go a week early, and they draw the blood, and then you go in, and it's a quick little checkup, and they tell you whether all your numbers are right or whatever, you know? So that day, I was going in to get the results of my blood test, just that little mid-year checkup. Got there 10 to 1. My appointment was 1, 1 o'clock. Get there, get all checked in, everything, sit there. Well, 1 o'clock came, and I'm still sitting there, and so were a number of other people. The clock kept ticking. After about 15 or 20 minutes, I'm a people watcher, and I noticed that there was this one guy sitting off to my left. I could see him in my peripheral vision. He had already leant back and was dozing. (laughs) All I could pray and hope for was he was gonna hear his name when it was called. There was a lady who was watching her watch every few minutes and (sighs) a sigh. She apparently had somewhere else to be. And then there was me. Now, in addition to the people watching, I see all these little magazines on these different little tables next to chairs, next to sofas. So I commence to go to each one of those, and I look through People and Vogue and what have you, Better Homes and Garden. I look through all of them. 145. 45 minutes into my wait, they finally call my name to go back to the exam room. But it doesn't stop there. They sit me up on this cold, hard table in this cold examining room, and I'm freezing in there. I never learned to keep a jacket on or something like that. Another 40 minutes. At one point, and this maybe has happened to you, have they forgotten about me? Will I be here and they'll lock all the doors and nobody will ever come in here until in the morning? Should I open the door and at least poke my head out? I'm here, I'm here. Well, the doctor did come in. And the good news is all my blood work was good, yay! And that 10 minutes or so with, with her was just a fraction of the time that I spent both in the waiting room and in the examining room. I don't like to wait. I'm an impatient person by nature, want to be doing something, want to be moving ahead. Now, while these examples I just gave you can cause frustration, this series that I'm very excited about that starts today, The Waiting Room, is about a different kind of waiting, a deeper kind of waiting, a waiting when things just aren't going well and you can't change them. You know, much of our lives are spent in transition, right? With hopes and dreams and desires for the future. I mean, it starts as a, as a child. We had Harper and Finley yesterday, and we played school as we normally do at the house when they come to visit, and they're already talking about second grade and what they're gonna do in second grade. My Annika, who's 16, just got her driver's license, and she's excited about that. That's a transition in life. Graduation from high school or college or upper level education is a transition looking for that perfect man to marry, that perfect woman that's your soulmate for life, is something you can hardly wait for when you're in that transition of life. And then, oh, let's not forget about children, having children. And then once we get pregnant as a couple, that nine months of waiting till the baby comes and then raising those children and watching that cycle all over again. And then there's that retirement we look forward to, those 401Ks that we've put into and all the things that we're going to do after retirement to travel and see the world and do all sorts of things. The truth is, life doesn't end like a Hallmark movie always, does it? It's not a Hallmark movie. Problems come up out of nowhere. Sorrow. A dear, dear family member passes, whether it's a spouse or a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister, a friend. Sorrow comes up. That man that was your soulmate Walks out the door and doesn't come back. Financial woes, sometimes of your own accord, other times because you got got downsized right out of a company and you've got specific skills. Where can I use these skills again? I'm stuck. some chronic health issue, something that has debilitated you to where your life will ever be the same again. There'll be a new normal for your life. In these seasons of life, we call it the waiting room. What is the waiting room in this context? Well, You're in a place that's not where you were, and it's certainly not where you desire to be. With that definition in mind, I'd like to go to the scripture passage that we heard read by Donna a few minutes ago and look what the waiting room looked like at a deeper level for Moses and Aaron and, of course, those precious Israelites that were in bondage. Let me set the stage. You know the story. You know the Hollywood version, at least if you've never read Exodus. The Ten Commandments. It'll probably be on soon. It usually comes on right before Easter. And when I get to heaven, I'm gonna look for Moses, and in my mind's eye, I'm thinking he's gonna look just like Charlton Heston. (laughs) Maybe not. But you know the story, Moses was Hebrew and he was one of many babies that were going to be murdered by Pharaoh because you see the Israelites in bondage had multiplied and Pharaoh got nervous about that. So he sent his lieutenants out to murder all the children, I think that were two and under And so Moses' mama put him in the the river and Pharaoh's daughter plucked him out. Long story short, Moses spent the first 40 years-ish as the prince of Egypt, living the life of a dream. Well, one day he went out and he saw those slave taskmasters beating one of his people one of his kinfolk. And in a rage, he murdered that Egyptian. And well, Pharaoh got wind of that. And so Pharaoh was going to have him killed. And when Moses found out about that, he ran. He literally ran for his life. And he ended up in an area called Midian, where he lived for another 40 years. Married to one of Jethro's daughters, tending the flock. And that's where we pick up the scripture for today. Exodus 3, 1 through 7, verses 10 through 12 as well. In that same chapter, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Please, though, read Exodus We're encouraging everybody to get in the Bible more this year and read. It's a beautiful, beautiful account of God's provision for God's people. One day, while Moses was taking care of his father-in-law's flock, he led them beyond the wilderness up to that mountain, Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. And in a moment there... Out of the corner of Moses' eye, he saw this bush that was on fire, but it wasn't consumed, and he stopped. He stopped. How many times in our lives do we have a burning bush, something that happens right out of left field, not expecting it, not happy about it? Do we stop? do we turn aside to see where is God in the burning bush? Where is God in all of this? Well, when God saw that he had stopped and and turned aside and said, let me go and see this strange thing, God spoke, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am, here I am. And of course, God told him that he had heard the cry of his people. And he went on to say, Moses, I'm going to deliver my people out of this bondage of slavery. You go, you go and be the deliverer I am sending to do this. And of course, we know that he didn't want to be God's mouthpiece. Who am I to do this? Isn't it interesting? The previous Prince of Egypt, 40 years, he'd been Prince of Egypt. Surely he was well-spoken then. What happened? What happened in that last 40 years? Did he all of a sudden become self-conscious? Did he all of a sudden feel unworthy? Has that ever happened to you in seasons of life? That all of a sudden you feel like, I just, I don't know. I don't think I can do this. Well, God didn't take no for an answer. And he said, even after Moses said, my speech is, is not what it needs to be. And God brought Aaron to be his mouthpiece for a season. So they agreed to go. They agreed to go not knowing was this going to be a three-day trip with a quick chat to Pharaoh? Was it going to be a few days, a week, a few months? Hmm. Did they have any idea that this was going to be a journey for another 40 years or so? But yet... Moses and Aaron went. Now Moses had some doubts. He was human and he had some concerns. And what I want to do as we unpack what the waiting room is in this context is talk about what it's not. And some misunderstandings and lies that you often tell yourself about the waiting room you're in. Because we do that, you know. We too can doubt and come up with some lies for the season of waiting when we can't do anything about it. The first thing that we say to ourselves is nothing good can come out of this. Nothing good can come out of this. I can only imagine. Moses was in the twilight of his years. He was a shepherd. Jethro loved him. He was tending the flock, out in the beauty of nature. And now, (laughs) God wanted him to go to Pharaoh, back to Egypt, where some years ago, he was at risk for being killed, and tells Pharaoh what? Nothing good can come out of this. Have you ever felt that way? In the past, I've literally, I mean literally, been in waiting rooms with my mama, with my daddy, with a number of you, and in the last couple of years and a half, with my own husband, And I wouldn't be truthful if I didn't stand here and say that I didn't have some doubts at times, because I'm human, you know? The second thing that we tell ourselves, I'll never be happy again. I'll never be happy again. Maybe some of you have gone through a divorce. I had a dear friend tell me that she had been married and divorced and married and her husband went to heaven. And both of them were great griefs. In a divorce, your soulmate has walked out on you, perhaps. Will you ever be happy again? Your spouse has died. A child has died. Will you ever be able to smile again and have joy in your life? And maybe, just maybe, in your sadness and in your sorrow and in your hurt, you rush ahead to try to fix it and solve this loneliness, this hurt, this waiting room experience, and you make matters worse. Another lie that we tell ourselves is, God must be mad at me. Since my life has turned so sour, so bad, I must have done something wrong to my God to cause him to put this on me. As pastor of congregational care, I'll be here 10 years in June. That one comes up more often than you might think. God put this on me. It's a bad misconception. Not all suffering, not all problems are because you did something wrong. Bad things do happen to good people. The other lie why me? Why now? Why me? Why now? Moses could have been asking the same question, especially since he gave those excuses to God. Find somebody else. And he was probably thinking, find a younger man to do this. Don't don't, don't get me to do this at 80 years old. Why me? Why now, God? What about the Israelites? They had been in bondage and slavery. They were God's chosen people they could have been asking the same question as they cried out to God. Things got worse before they ever got better, which is why if you have your finger on Exodus right now in your Bibles, I want you to flip over to chapter 5. Again, I want you to read all of Exodus. But in chapter 5, I want you to look down beginning with the 17th verse through the 21st verse. 5, 17 through 21. Now here what we learn is we learn that things did get worse for the Israelites, and here's why. You see, Moses and Aaron had gone to Pharaoh initially and said, let our people go for a little bit. We're going to take them out in the wilderness to worship God for a little bit, and then we'll bring them back. Well, Pharaoh just didn't fall off the turnip truck. He got suspicious, suspicious of Moses. And so he said to the taskmasters, you know, we've been given the people the straw to make the bricks. We're going to stop that because they're lazy. They are so lazy that they're going to have to go and find their own straw and make their own bricks, just like before. Same quota, but I'm going to put more on them because they're lazy people. Well, the people found out that as a result of what Moses was trying to get Pharaoh to do, that this extra work was being put on them. And here's what was said, and I'm using the message because I think it just says it, it's so cool. Chapter 5, verse 21, the people said to Moses and Aaron, the Lord look upon you and judge. You have made us stink, S-T-I-N-K before Pharaoh and his servants. You've put a weapon in his hand that's going to kill us. You've put a weapon in Pharaoh's hand that's going to kill us. The very act of you asking for us to go out in the wilderness and worship God made him put this extra work on us. All they could see was that things had gotten worse for them, Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever? Yeah. Yeah. While Mike was at Duke, this will be three years, this August 4th, since his surgery. He was recovering right after the surgery. It was early days after. Two friends from this church you're not surprised. This church is such a giving and loving congregation. I tell y'all that all the time. But two from this congregation, two, two women came up. And on that day, they surprised me. They walked into the waiting room where I was, where I spent most of my time for the first month. One sat here. On my right, one sat here on my left, and they held my, hand. they held my hands, y'all. And in a little while, one of the cardiologists came out, and he had a funny look on his face, and he said, "Miss Stevens, I said, that's me. He said, your husband's taking a turn, and the team has been in there working on him. He's stable now. i was so glad, so thankful that these two precious women were with me because you know what they were and who they were? They were Jesus with skin on. That was Jesus saying, Faye, I got this. I got you. I got your mic. I got him. I'll never forget it. We've looked at this piece of scripture and we've seen these misunderstandings and, and the lies that we tell ourselves about the waiting rooms that we find ourselves in during this life. Now, what I'd like to do is share with you what the waiting room is meant to do for you and for me, in a positive sense. First, I'd like you to remember that waiting is not wasting. Waiting is not wasting. What we believe is possible, and what we believe about our God is so important during these seasons of being in the waiting room. Being in the waiting room, you're in a spot where you can't change what's going on. You know that. You're there. But it's a time that you can grow. You can grow in your faith and you can grow closer to God. Our life is a journey of growing in our faith anyway. But in these times, these difficult times, there's something about Drawing closer to God that's so, so fruitful and good. We too can say, here I am. Just as Moses did. Here I am. I can't change what's going on, Lord, but here I am. What can I do, Lord, in the midst of this? Well, one of the things I can do is draw closer to him. That's what he wants anyway. And maybe that means pulling the Bible out and reading it and going to some scriptures that are going to be a great comfort, a great strength, some scriptures that give you some peace. There's a family in this church. Some of you may know this family, and I'm not going to mention their names. But this individual has been in the hospital and rehab, combination of the two, since October. So it's been over five months. And I've gotten close to the spouse of this individual. And this spouse has been a great comfort to me, and I hope I've been a comfort to the spouse because I can get alongside because of what my husband went through. But we're texting each other now, and just about every day, I get a text. And the text will have a specific prayer request, yes, but what's beautiful is the spouse is growing in her faith. I can see it. And she's going deeper in the scripture and she's sending me scriptures every day. Something that relates to what's going on or something of an encouraging word. And it's amazing how coming alongside somebody else that's gone through or going through the same thing you have can also draw you closer to God In our scripture today, Moses said, who am I? Well, first he said, here I am. (laughs) He did stop. But then he said, who am I that I should go? But then God responds in 3 verse 12, I will be with you. I will be with you. In essence, God was saying to Moses, hey, Moses, We can do this thing. We can do this together. No, you can't do it by yourself. You can't be in this waiting room alone. But we can do it together, if you'll trust me, if you'll be in dialogue with me. And if you go back, and I hope you will, and read Exodus in its entirety, you can see this dialogue between Moses and God, all through the plagues, all through the book. They're talking to each other, back and forth. And that's what God wants with us anyway. God was working behind the scenes, no doubt about it, with Moses, with the people, the Israelites. And while there's debate on how long it really took for Pharaoh to finally let the people go, some people say it was months Some people say it was close to a year before they started making their way to go across the the Red Sea. We know that 40 years passed with them in the desert before they ever made it to where? The Promised Land. And Moses himself didn't go there. He saw it from a distance, but he himself didn't go there. He was in a long waiting room The other thing to realize as we're in a waiting room is something good can come from it. We need to have the assurance that even if we can't imagine it, even if we can't envision it right now, something good can come out of a place where we're stuck in sorrow, in financial woe, in a lost job. And whatever we're going through. And it's okay to be honest with God. It's okay to pour out your heart to Him in your humanness because you know what? The Psalms are full of that anyway. They're called the Psalms of Lament. King David did it, we can do it too. Maybe the good that's gonna come out of it is when you get on the other side or even while you're going through it, but you're in a better place, you're gonna come alongside somebody else that's going through the same thing. You're gonna be that wounded healer that's gonna give somebody hope that God's with them, God's working behind the scenes, that things are going to be better one day. Now, I don't know where you are right now. Maybe you're in a stage of life that everything is good. And oh, praise God for that, my friends. Praise him when you get up in the morning and praise him when you go to bed at night and hours in between as you think about it. Because one day, if not now, you're going to be in the waiting room for something. You don't know when it's going to be, but it will come. And the truth of the matter is, we're all in a waiting room waiting on Jesus' second return, aren't we? The disciples went behind closed doors and were in a waiting room for three days before Jesus rose from the dead. We're in a waiting room. Maybe you're in one now that's rough, that you feel stuck in. Pour out your heart. Name it. Name what that waiting room is and pour your heart out to the Lord and let him hear it. As we come to a close of this service and as I pray with us, I encourage you, in these moments to begin that prayer, to begin to name your praise or name that issue that has you in that waiting room. And just as God delivered the Israelites, he will deliver you. If you'll only trust him and do as this song says, Be still, my soul. That's what we need to do. Hear these words as we sing.